So there's two kinds of men, men that have had a problem in the past with their erections and men that will. Both of you are invited to listen to this podcast. Welcome to the Men's Health Unscripted Podcast with Patrick and Cam. We're focused on on men's health, looking at your emotional, your physical, and your spiritual well-being. Here to take care of that and make sure you keep on going. What's going on, guys? It's Pat and Cam, and we are here with Will N. Richards, author of The Missing Erection. We are going to talk about a topic today very near and dear to our hearts, erectile dysfunction. But I think since it's Mental Health Month, we're going to discuss a little bit more of the mental health side of erectile dysfunction, which, as many of you know, we've discussed treatment options and different physiological causes. But I think there's been a whole mental health component that we haven't had the opportunity to discuss. And Will is here to learn us a thing or two about mental health and how it correlates to erectile dysfunction. So, Will, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, you know, how did you get started you know, writing and how did you want to help men, you know, learn more about their erections and mental health and how those correlate? Sure. Absolutely. I'm, so I'm 49 years old. Uh, I have been in, I guess, all kinds of relationships from, uh, from dating uh, to hookups to a 15 year marriage, uh, which produced two awesome, awesome teenagers. Um, and then uh, unfortunately the marriage ended. So also back to the, back to the dating scene in my, in my forties. And um, I struggled with, uh, with getting it up with ED for about a seven year period uh, before I was able to uh, figure it out. And uh, I think more or less uh, solve solve my issues. Um, and during that time, yeah, I mean, it definitely takes a toll on your mental health. Like uh, it was a very uh, isolating experience. It was a very confusing experience, uh, discouraging, um, borderline depressing uh, experience. And I certainly understand if there's you know men out there that have had this happen to them and don't understand why. Um, it can be a pretty dark place and you can certainly start to think like, will this ever go away or am I going to have these problems uh, kind of, you know, forever. Um, so, you know, but I, just to kind of maybe be a bit daring, I'd just like to throw the question back on you guys. Like, have you ever had a problem with, uh, with not being able to get it up in a certain situation? Well, I can oh, yeah. definitely, I think, yeah. Yeah, but I think everybody can say they probably had an experience where, you know, maybe they weren't in the mood for it. They weren't feeling it. They had other things in their mind, especially, you know, us going through pharmacy school. And then you still have all your life outside. Um, Cause me and Pat, yeah. we had everything else going outside at pharmacy school as well. So all that stress kind of adds up. So I'm sure, you know, we all can, can relate to that. I can definitely, uh, I'm willing to discuss a, a situation that I think maybe a lot of guys have uh, experienced. And that's like the good old fashioned whiskey dick. And yeah. I, I was in my 20s. I'm 35 now. I was in my 20s. I, I was on vacation with a girl I was dating. And uh, we, you know, we went out, we went bar hopping and stuff like that. And I had a little bit too much to drink. Um, I don't remember being like super hammered, but I remember having, you know, quite a few drinks that night and then getting back to the hotel. Sure. And I'm like, what? What's going on? I'm you know, <laughs> like, what are you doing? And uh, it, it was a huge point of frustration at the time. And now, after doing some work with Men's Health Unscripted, I've realized that most guys at least 
deal with it at least once in their life. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I've now in the you know uh, informal research that I've done for for my book, um, the the mystery of the missing erection. Uh, I've come to kind of the, the conclusion that there are only uh, two kinds of men. Uh, there's men that have had uh, an episode where they couldn't get it up or, you know, have had erectile dysfunction. And there's men that will, that everybody is going to go through this at some point in their lives. So we better get comfortable with what's happening. Uh, we better get comfortable with the fact that it happens to everybody. And, you know, how can we, obviously it's not something we want to have happen. So what are the tips and tricks and strategies uh, that we can do to go into you know, either minimizing it or, or not, not having it happen uh, at all. So I, I do have to ask, in your research for this, do you feel like men who are experiencing erectile dysfunction are much harder on themselves than their actual partner? Uh, or do you think that there's kind of like the partner's like, oh man, this guy, you know, not getting it up kind of situation? Or, or do you think it's kind of like all in our heads? Yeah, I mean, I mean, um, I, I guess just one one point that I that I would like to make, which is that although we're not going to change that in this discussion, and I'm sure we're going to use the term in this discussion, but I find erectile dysfunction a very it's like a misnamed term. Uh, it's not dysfunctional. Right? Our our penises are going to do this sometimes. It's completely normal functioning that sometimes you will not get an erection, and there's probably very good psychological reasons or physiological reasons for it not happening. So if I, if I were able to change like one thing on the discourse of, of this topic, it would be that we need another, you know, even like not getting it up is probably more accurate than this word dysfunction. So I think that also really scares people. Like, do I have, am I dysfunctional? Like no, nobody wants that. So therefore we're not, we're not talking about it. But that's a little bit a little bit beside the point. I mean, I think in terms of your question, like what are people, you know, how how do men when men have this happen to them, what are they thinking? And then what are their partners thinking? I mean, for sure, well, I think I'm gonna I'm just I'm just gonna also uh, make a precision that for the purposes of this discussion and in my book, the type of uh, ED that I'm talking about, is psychological or emotional uh, ED. And that the way that I uh, make a distinction between uh, a physical uh, ED and a psychological ED is, is a pretty simple test that we can do. Can you masturbate and get it up? Can you watch porn and get it up? If you can get an erection when you're by yourself, uh, either just with your own imagination or with porn, you don't have a physical problem. If you cannot get an erection under any circumstance, you need to go see your doctor because it can be uh, 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 an indicator of other health issues, including possibly a heart attack or so I've read. So uh, if, if, you, if you cannot get an erection at all, please uh, go see a doctor. But if you can, uh, so you can do it on your own, but you can't do it with somebody, then yeah, it's something happening up here or in your heart uh, or in your mind, in your unconscious that is um, not letting you perform the way you want to and not allowing you to get the erections that you want when you want them. Um, 
And definitely the, you know, in my case, the first thing that sort of happens is this massive questioning of your own body and your own mind and, you know, and, and a lot of shame. And quickly that shame, I think, comes from projecting what my partner might be thinking. So is she going to, uh, you know, and I think, I think I haven't done a lot of research with sort of um, homosexuality or alternate sexual lifestyles, but I would think that what I'm saying is pretty much applicable for anybody with a penis. Like, I think it, 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 it goes both ways. It goes, you know, it applies probably to everybody. So I'm in bed. I can't get it up. What I'm thinking is she thinks I'm a bad lover or she thinks that I can't get my act together or she's disappointed or, or whatever. But one of the major insights that I had when I started to examine why in certain circumstances I was not being able to get it up, um, I'm really fortunate that I have a couple of uh, really good uh, girlfriends, like i.e. women friends that are platonic. And, um, you know, so I would kind of talk to them once, like I kind of got up the courage to talk to them and say, look, like this is happening. It's really frustrating in my dating life. It's really causing me all kinds of problems. To my, like, I was absolutely stunned. They both told me that similar issues had happened to them. And that floored me because they were attractive women. They were comfortable sexually. I mean, that was one of the reasons why I was, why I could open up to them. And for them to tell me that, that this had happened to them, I was like shocked because you kind of feel like you're the only person in the world that this uh, has ever happened to the first time it happens. Um, and they were, um, then what shocked me further was that they told me that when it happened, they felt like it was all their fault. They felt like uh, that they weren't attractive uh, to, the, to the man they were with, that they weren't being sexual in the right way, that they weren't doing the right moves, uh, and that they felt horrible, that they felt absolutely terrible about themselves as a person. Now, I couldn't believe that because I sort of knew that, you know, in my mind, like it had nothing to do with them. Like it was just, it, it wasn't about a connection with them. It was like, I was just wrapped up in my head. And for whatever reason, I couldn't, you know, let go to, to perform. So that was um, a real eye opener for me and um, became actually a really important, um, you know, I, I think we'll get to it a bit later, but a, a really important um concept in terms of what I could do to also help with my own inability to get an erection. Um, but, you know, I think that when this first happens, um, the first, the first time it happened to me, I was, um, well, I, I suppose there was one incident that happened to me in my twenties, which we can kind of talk about maybe again at another time, but when this really, when this really first happened, this the seven year period where I was struggling with this issue, um, in my case, I would sometimes get an erection and sometimes not get an erection, um, and it was really um, unclear to me as to why 
why it would happen in, in some circumstances and others it wouldn't. And I'm, I'm pretty lucky in that I'm, I have a pretty good self-esteem. So I try not to take it too hard on myself. And I tried to look at more of as this kind of mystery, you know, like why, like where did my erection go? You know, like I, I don't understand why when I'm so excited to be with this person and I'm really looking forward to have this, have this sexual connection that it's not there. But then in another circumstance, you know, maybe it is, uh, or it was there sometimes. So um, for me, that was all about this kind of unraveling this mystery. And uh, one of the things that I noticed was that um, if I, if there was, if I was with somebody uh, that I was dating, there was less likely to be a problem. Whereas if I was with someone that I was in a uh, more hookup type of situation, there could be more of an issue. And now it's easy to sort of say, okay, well, um, uh, then the solution is just stay with a partner and, and that's, that's the end of the problem. But I had had a 15 year marriage. Um, I was ready to go back on the dating scene and I wanted to explore other options. So, you know, I didn't want to get back into another relationship. I wanted to kind of uh, play the field a little bit, uh, as it were. And so I wanted to find solutions that were going to allow me to do that. Um, and I'm, I've never been a big, you know, uh, and, and because, because I really felt it wasn't physical, like I said, I could get this erection, I could get an erection on my own, um, uh, far, uh, uh, taking a pill didn't seem like the right solution because I can do this within my body. It's just, I can't, I'm not doing it with this other person. So um, I began to kind of look at, okay, well, obviously intimacy um, is important uh, in my equation because if I'm dating someone, there's automatically more intimacy there. And um, so then, then the question became to me, well, how, how do you create intimacy? with somebody or like what are the ingredients for uh for a really solid to make that solid in, uh, to make a solid inter intimate connection with another person and it seemed to me that the, well you know you can't have intimacy without safety that safety uh is really important because if you don't feel safe with someone you're not going to be intimate you're not going to open up you're not going to open up to that person so safety if i kind of i'm working backwards safety is really important well, okay, that, that seemed to make sense to me because in the, in the circumstances where I was getting it up, I definitely, there was definitely an intimate connection and I definitely felt safe with, safe with those people. So then, then my question became, well, how do you create safety with another person? And I thought about that some more and it seemed like, well, you know, if I want to create safety or a, or a bond with another person, what am I going to do? Well, if it's a, if it's a guy friend, let's say, maybe I'll let him, uh, maybe he needs a favor and needs to borrow my truck. So I'll be like, okay, like, I think I've known you for a while. Like you can, I'll give you the keys to my truck. You need to go move something. I'll give you those keys to my truck and, and you can go, you know, make your, make your delivery. And he needs to do that. You know, he needs to pick something up for an hour, let's say. So he goes off on his truck and he's gone for an hour. And during that hour, I'm thinking, well, you know, I hope he, I hope he uh, takes care of the truck. It's my favorite truck. 
Um, so I'm a bit vulnerable for that hour. What's he going to do? You know, is he going to like, is he going to bring it back in good condition? Well, an hour passes and he comes back, cars and trucks in great conditions, full of gas. He thanks me very much. Well, what's just happened? We've created more safety between us. Next time he maybe wants to borrow the truck overnight. Well, I know he's going to bring it back full of gas. He's probably going to wash it, you know, like that. So that bond uh, is, is created um, and that safety is created. So what I have to do, in other words, to create safety is I have to be vulnerable. First, I have to be vulnerable. So here's the keys to my car. Here's the keys to my truck. And if that vulnerability is uh, respected, if it's, uh, if it's um, you know, uh, taken care of, then a unit of safety is going to be built between us. So now I know that in order to build intimacy, I need to, uh, to get to intimacy. I know I need to have safety. To get to safety, I know I have to express invulnerability. So how does that translate in terms of a relationship? in terms of meeting someone, in terms of dating someone, uh, in terms of wanting to sleep with someone. Well, for me, it was pretty clear that, um, that in, the, in the circumstances where I was um, not having any troubles in the bedroom, where I was able to get an erection when I wanted, all those three ingredients were there. And when I looked and saw other situations where I wasn't getting it up, those ingredients were not there. And often they weren't there because um, the women either either things just happened quickly. It was maybe in an in a in an online dating situation, or the women indicated to me that they weren't necessary, that they were ready to go sort of right away. And so for me, okay, like my in my logic mind, I was like, this is great. Um, I want to have some casual sex. Here's an opportunity to do that. Um, fantastic. But in the end, you know, it, 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 didn't, it didn't work. So again, in this, in this unraveling of this, of this mystery, because to me, it, it was perplexing. Like, why was this happening to me? I began to look at the nature of the way that I was interacting with women and specifically what I was doing to... Uh, I sort of, in my book, I use the word seduce, but I think it's, it's not just seduce, it's courtship. How was I courting these, these women? Or was I? Was I courting these women? And I think, again, when I looked at it in the, in the circumstances where uh, I was having problems, there was no courtship what, whatsoever. Now, why is courtship? So, I, but I was trying to look at this situation where like, but why is this important? Because if I want to have sex and she wants to have sex, like the consent is there, the willingness is there, the drive is there, uh, we're both attracted to each other. Why am I not performing? She's not asking for courtship in certain cases. She's, she's just as, as excited as I am. And so that, that made me look at like, well, why is courtship so important? And I think it's important because of the following reasons. So when I, when I court, uh, when, I, when I'm meeting someone for the first time and I find them attractive and I decide to, that, you know, I want to make a move or make a 
play or, or whatever, whatever language you want to use. I want to get them to like me, essentially. I mean, I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I don't have that many tools at my disposal to make a woman like me. Like, I've got a few things, you know, like, but I, I, I'm not a big Romeo and I'm not a big player or anything like that. I'm just kind of a, a, a normal guy. So, but where I start is I'd like to make this person laugh. For me, that's just a really easy, an easy way. If I can get the woman smiling or the girl smiling, if I can get her laughing, uh, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good first start. Well, in, in, my, in, my, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, it's important to get her laughing so that she likes me. But I think now that there's something much different happening on the level of our unconscious, uh, especially as men. And that is that when I go make a joke, in a very small way, I'm exposing myself. So I watched this documentary on, uh, on uh, stand-up comedians a while ago. And this guy said, I can't remember uh, who he was, but he said, you know, going, walking out on that stage when you're alone with a microphone and there's an audience in front of you is the most vulnerable thing that you can do. And I think that's true. You know, whether there's 10 people in the audience or a thousand people in the audience, or whether it's just one woman that you're trying to impress, when you go and you make that joke, you're, you're being vulnerable in a small way. And, um, because, and the reason why you're being vulnerable is, is, is the following. What if she doesn't laugh? What if she rolls her eyes and thinks like, oh, who is this douchebag? You know, just get away from me. Like, I don't want to talk to you. And if she has a negative reaction, you're going to be hurt. Your vulnerability will be hurt. Now, of course, it's a very small amount of vulnerability, which is good because your, your conscious self is sort of saying, don't take too big of a chance. Just, you know, just make a little joke. But on the other hand, if she responds positively, well, what you've created there is you've given a little bit of vulnerability. She's responded positively. Now I feel a little bit safe. So now maybe I'm going to make another joke. Now maybe I'm going to offer to buy her a drink or, you know, whatever, or spend more time talking to her because she's kind of indicated, yeah, like you're okay. I like you. You make me laugh. Uh, so I'm starting to feel a little bit safe. So we're starting on a very, very, you know, uh, high level, a little bit of intimacy is being established. So if that continues and I continue to feel good, well, uh, you know, probably the next thing I'll do is um, invite her over for dinner. Not the world's greatest cook, but I can get around in the kitchen. And, you know, but that's a whole other level of vulnerability. Now you're coming into my apartment. You're going to see the way I live. You're going to eat my food. Um, and all along, I'm going to be watching, you know. Um, and, and I think as the man, the male part of my head, the ego part, that I'm doing all this to impress the woman. But I think there's something else going on. I think there's also my unconscious is watching the woman's reaction. Does she like my apartment? Does she eat my food? Well, if she does, because all of this is all of this is me being vulnerable. What if I mess up the dinner? What if she doesn't like it? But if she does respond positively, how am I going to feel? I'm going to feel pretty safe. I'm going to feel, I'm going to start to feel pretty good about myself. I'm going to start to feel pretty good about 
this react this interaction with uh, so, you know this this woman and a little bit more intimacy will be built. And then you know maybe I'll offer to dance with her, or maybe I'll sing her a song on my guitar, or whatever it is. I mean these are just these are just my my ways of sort of being a peacock and and strutting my feathers, uh, strutting my stuff, showing my feathers. Um, but you know I mean I, like I guess I throw the question back to you guys like what do you do when you meet a woman for the first time that you sort of fancy or that that, that you like? What are the things that you do to 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 get her attracted to you? I think I would have yeah. to agree, you know, telling jokes is pretty good. Telling jokes yeah. is a pretty good way, I guess, of, of starting it. Um, you know, I think I've gotten to the point in my 30s, I've been in a, a pretty good relationship now, and I hadn't been in a relationship in a long time that I guess, well, in the beginning, in the beginning, I think I was just like pretty honest with you know, what my intentions were. And I definitely made, you know, she's my current girlfriend now, but made her laugh, made her laugh a lot. And my guess is if you're being honest with your intentions, that's another type of vulnerability. Because if you say, hey, you know, I'm in this because I want to have a longer term relationship. And the other person turns around and says, well, I'm not interested in that. Your vulnerability is going to be hurt. So making those types of gestures too is also making you know saying what your intentions are and being clear with them it's another kind of vulnerability as well yeah what about you cam what are you firing off so yeah the jokes are always a good go i'm actually a pretty big fan of the small talk i like, like to kind of try that out see how that goes <laughs> uh, just because you want to see if you could develop any further kind of like uh common points any kind of conversation that may be past just kind of pleasantries or um anything like that so it kind of gives you the opportunity to kind of play into that plus Let's be honest, if it doesn't kind of go that way, there's a lot less to lose. So it's definitely less vulnerable, um, per yeah. se. Um, but it, it's a good starting point. Yeah. And do you have something, Cam, that you like to do uh, or a special place you like to take somebody or something meaningful that that you like to show about yourself? Maybe not on the first date, but like as you get to know somebody? So a couple of couple, couple things. Um, so I actually went uh i was actually in a culinary program um when i was in high school so i can cook pretty well and um pretty decently i mean i said well say decently um, so sometimes if it's maybe the second or third day or something like that yeah you know bring them on over or if they feel more comfortable go to their place and we'll cook um or if we go to go out and get food i always try to find some place that's kind of like small niche food kind of stuff that um, i'm able to kind of flex that about but my other thing that Turns out people said it's kind of creepy. I like to go out in the woods. So I realized, <laughs> I didn't realize that at first, but it turns out trying to invite girls out of the woods pretty soon into meeting them doesn't work out so good. <laughs> You're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, but it's just you know, with down here, you know, in Florida, there's so many nice parks and trails and all this kind of nice stuff. You can get out and enjoy the, you know, just enjoy the environment. But I totally forget that it kind of sounds rapey as fuck. <laughs> but i think i think the the part that i i hang on to in that is that you have favorite spots that you like to go that 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 you feel good when you're there be it yes. in the woods or in a park or something and there's part of you that wants to show that or share that with a potential mate 
because they're really important to you. And you're like, this is really cool. Uh, if I, if I take them to this cool spot, maybe they're going to like me, uh, you know, cause it's, it's an awesome, it's an awesome place. So I think two things are happening there. One is you're trying to impress, uh, the person because like, you know, these cool spots, you know, these cool restaurants, you're good at, 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 at in the kitchen, but there's another thing happening on another level, which is like, imagine if you took somebody to that cool spot and she was like, on her phone the whole time, this is boring. You're, the message you're gonna get is, well, this probably isn't a, the right person or you're not gonna feel safe or you're not gonna feel good at going. So you're unconscious, as much as your conscious is trying to impress the woman, your unconscious, your unconscious is trying to see um, how she's gonna react. And if she's not gonna react well, well, maybe that's not a good person to be with. And I think, you know, I think that one of the things that we really forget about erections or we're not aware of or cognizant about erections is that erections appear to be this really physical conscious thing. Like it's an erection, you can see it, you know? And if it's there, you see it. And if it's not there, you don't see it. It's very, very physical. But my, you know, one of the big premises of my book is that an erection is an act of the unconscious. As much as we, and, and the reason, the distinction that I make is the following. I cannot willfully get myself to have an erection. Like I can't sit here in this podcast and be like, okay, I'm going to have an erection. Here it is, guys. You know, like it just, <laughs> it doesn't work. Like, even if I really, really thought about it really hard and I like, I really want one, uh, it's just, it's not going to happen. So something else you know, and that's the same thing of like, well, if I could masturbate, but then I couldn't get an erection with a certain partner, there's something, even though I want one, there's something else going on in our subconscious that is happening around erections. Or another great example that I thought of is like, you know, if, if, if you watch porn uh, and you're alone in your room, probably you're going to get an erection. Now, take that same porn site, go into the middle of a cafe and turn on the volume. You are not going to get an erection, my friend. <laughs> you are not going to feel safe. You're not going to feel good. You're going to feel the opposite. You're going to feel like shame, embarrassment, and all those things. So even though physically you're watching the same video, you're the same person, there's something on, in the unconscious that's like, I'm not safe. Now, so this whole- I can cut in real quick on that. Yeah. Um, I actually have experience doing something like that. Um, so- um, I don't know how many episodes you've seen or how far back into it, uh, but I was, I was in the military. I was in the Marine Corps and right. we actually, there's been times where we're all hanging out in our tents, our squad bait or whatever it may be. And we're actually, well, yeah, there'll be porn on the TV and we'll just watch it together. It's kind of weird. Um, but like no one, okay. No, like a few guys did like did get erections, but most of us don't get erections. <laughs> yeah. um, we weren't naked or anything, but like, <laughs> You're just tucking it, it up into so the belt, man. But like, so even even that environment, like you feel safe in that environment because you're with um, you're with your guys, you're with your yeah. family at that point. Because like you're you're going out to deploy or whatever, you're, you're working up, you've been with them for some time, so you totally feel safe. But even in that time, like your mind knows that this is not the time for an erection. Right, right. And so I think it's that it's that whole. And so you know, I go, I look at all these pieces of of the puzzle to try and put this mystery 
you know, to try and make sense of this mystery of why erections sometimes happen and sometimes don't happen. And, um, you know, I, I just think that it's the unconscious piece that we're missing and that that unconscious piece is linked in this courtship ritual that men do, this peacock ritual that men do to, to try to get a mate. And men do it on a conscious level to think they're trying to impress somebody. But really what they're doing on an unconscious level is who's getting seduced. I'm seducing myself. I'm trying to get comfortable myself with this person so that my unconscious says, okay, you can have an erection. I mean, I can take it one step further, which is that, well, why does your unconscious need to be safe? And my thoughts on that are that the minute you climax, the minute you orgasm, the minute you come as a man, you need a recovery time physiologically before you can get it up again. You know, maybe if you're 19 years old, that's five minutes. If you're 50 years old like me, I probably need to have a nap. You know, it's all <laughs> gonna be a, a, a different amount of time for different people, but you're not, you're not able physically to go again immediately. So imagine a scenario where you're in bed with somebody, uh, you, you, you're having intercourse and you have uh, an orgasm. And so, you know, you need, you need a little time out. But there's a knock on the door. The knock on the door, who, who opens the door? It's this guy with a big erection. Your partner can have sex immediately. Your woman can have sex right now with somebody else. She doesn't need to wait for you. Of course, this is, you know, fantastic. This is a fantastical scenario that I'm putting in place. But my point here is, is that your unconscious needs to know that when you orgasm, your woman is going to stick with you because nowhere, nowhere in a man's life is he more vulnerable than right after he has his orgasm. Yeah, that, that post nut clarity is pretty clear, pretty real. So, yeah. So, so, so if your unconscious doesn't feel safe. my unconscious anyway, is not going to let me get it up. It's just going to be like, nope, not happening. And then when I went back and I looked at all the different times that I didn't get an erection versus the times that I did over this seven year period, it was super clear. I would meet somebody. I wanted to have, uh, I explore a more casual sex relationship with them. They were open to that too, but they indicated to me mainly by saying, let's go back to my place or let's go to your place, that they didn't need this whole courtship uh, ritual. And my, my conscious brain, my ego brain was like, fantastic. I don't have to take you out for dinner. I don't have to make this a three-week process. I don't have to tell you my jokes. I don't have to play, go through the trouble of cooking a meal on my, uh, at home. Sing your song. I don't have to do any of this stuff. I'm just going to get laid. It's going to be fantastic. Hell yeah. <laughs> but but then you get in there and it doesn't work. Nope. And so I think it's it there's something it, there's something ironic about the whole situation, which is that this, you know, these times when when you're ready to go uh, or, or when they're ready to go and you don't have, need to do all these things actually work against us. 
And what I've learned is that I can have sex in a casual sex situation, but I've got to just slow it. I don't have to slow it down a tremendous amount, but I've just got to slow it down a little bit. And, and if I do that, these things become possible. So there are definitely things that I learned um, that I can do that apply, I think, to actually not only people in a casual sex relationship, but people in a, um, in a long-term relationship too. And I, I would say also that, that and I, I do go into this a little bit in my book, like, like not, obviously what, what we're discussing here today is for people that are having problems getting it up when they want. Of course, there's a lot of guys that, you know, maybe don't need to have this level of safety. You know, I need this level of safety for who I am, but maybe some people don't, and that's okay. They don't, they don't need to, to, to do these types of, of rituals and they still get to where they want. I mean, one, one, another realization that I had about myself was that in my 20s, I had casual sex before I got married, never had a problem. But in my 40s, I did. I don't think it has to do with age because uh, I'm in great shape um, and I could still get erections. So I don't think it has anything to do with age, but in, in my 20s, just sex was so much more exciting. Like I wasn't thinking about intimacy. I wasn't thinking about safety. I was just like thinking about exploring this new thing that was in my life. And so, but all of that is different for different people. Like I could see, I, I could really easily see young men in their 20s that were more sensitive and that needed to feel more safe and for all kinds of different reasons. And that's, to that's totally fine. And not only is it fine, most women that I know would rather be with someone who's sensitive and emotionally attuned to what's going on in their body. So, um, but I guess, I guess having said that, I mean, there are things that I learned um, in terms of sort of concrete advice or, or yeah, I guess advice that I can, that I can give. I don't know. Is that something that would be relevant to this discussion? Sure. Um, oh, yeah. I yeah, I would say I would definitely say some of the things that you've been discussing have kind of made me think about a scenario in my mid to late 20s where I was dating somebody really attractive girl and, you know, seemed nice, but something about her like I, I looked back on it and and I guess really when we were first starting to discuss this podcast um, previously, but I I. I had a difficult time getting an erection with her and I had a difficult time climaxing with her. Don't know what it was. I was like, what's going on? I don't really know. It was perfectly nice looking girl and seemingly, you know, nice or whatever, but there was just something about her. I don't know. Couldn't put my finger on it. That really just didn't appeal to up here. Yeah. And, you know, we just, you know, we stopped dating and stuff like that, but, and, I haven't really had a lot of issues in my life, but, you know, I, I think it goes to show that it can happen to anybody. I mean, it really, really can. I, I, I think, like I said, I think it, it can happen to anybody and it's going to happen to all of us. So yeah, I, 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 I completely agree. So um, uh, yeah. yeah, the, sorry about that cutting you off. It's just like, really, it was hitting me right here, but you know, some points of advice for, for guys maybe to, to kind of re release this, these issues. Sure. Sure. Um, so, so like I said, I mean, the, the, the first point is really to, you need to get vulnerable and you need to, 
to use your courtship tactics, whatever they are. They don't have to be the ones that, that we describe. They should be the ones that, 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 that you like and find the things in your heart that are important to you and very, very slowly, carefully, you know, bring these out when you're with uh, your partner and see how she reacts and allow yourself to be vulnerable uh, and allow yourself to um, to see how she's how she's going to react and build that safety between the two of you, um, you know, and, and long before you get into the bedroom. So I guess these are that's an important distinction to make. So I've got I've got ideas and tips for people outside of the bedroom and then strategies once you get in the bedroom. So first strategy for outside the bedroom is take your time, seduce your you know, potential mate and be vulnerable. The second point is, is um, get way ahead of the ED issue. So if you've had an episode of ED, um, probably you're thinking about it a lot. Probably it's, doesn't take, doesn't take, it doesn't take more than one episode to start obsessing about the fact that, at least for me, that I had ED. I mean, I'd be walking around town doing my groceries thinking, the next time I have sex, am I going to get it up? Like, it was the only thing that kind of was on my mind. So after this conversation um, that we talked about earlier that I had with my two uh, women friends, where they felt, they told me how terrible that they felt as partners, that they felt like lousy lovers and not sexy and not basically good people. I decided that for that reason, I was going to start telling all my potential uh, people I was sleeping with that I have ED or that, that it might happen. And now I think there's a time and place to have this type of discussion. Um, I found that, you know, after the first kiss, but before we got into bed was sort of the ideal place. So there's some intimacy that has been established. It's probably pretty clear that we're going to move in that direction. Um, but it's not five minutes before we get into bed either. And what I would say to people was, um, you know, that this had happened to me before. It, it might happen uh, again. I'm not sure that it's going to happen, but it might happen. And uh, I want to tell you that it's going to happen because if it does, you need to know that it's not about you. That uh, I think you're amazing. I think you're super sexy. Uh, I want to be with you in a you know, sexual place because of how attracted I am to you. And I need to tell you this now so that if it happens, you don't take it personally, that you don't feel like it's your fault. And this conversation was really a game changer for me. Um, you know, and I really did it for altruistic reasons. Like I did it because I legitimately didn't want this person to feel bad. Um, and I don't like, I don't like it when, when people feel bad, you know, obviously. So, um, so that was my intention, but it really did something, other things that I could never have imagined. Um, and that is that, first of all, it took all the pressure off me. I was basically saying, you know, I might not get an erection. That's the way it is. And so now my pressure to perform just like went way down. Secondly, it took all the pressure off her. Now she didn't feel like, okay, what do I have to do to get this guy to get an erection? She knows that if it doesn't happen, it's not her fault. You know, there's nothing she can do about it. 
And so she doesn't have to worry about it. She can just have a good time. Um, and so it takes all the pressure off her too. So uh, that was great. Um, also, it created just, you know, it just lowered everybody's expectations about what was going to happen. It created a space where um, we could have sex without an erection. You know, like uh, there's all kinds of things that, that, you know, if I'm not worried too much about my pleasure, I mean, I like to have my pleasure, but if, you know, a big part of sex for me is like pleasing my partner. There's all kinds of ways that I can please my partner uh, without an erection. And if she's cool with that, we're going to have a great time. And I'm going to, you know, feel pretty good about myself. And maybe I still want to have that erection, but even if I don't, I'm still going to feel like pretty good if she's happy. If she leaves going, yeah, that was like, you got me to where I need to get to. That was great. Um, but the craziest thing about saying that, uh, saying all, all this to, to my potential partner, every person I've said that to, I've never had a problem getting an erection. It was like, it's like magic. Uh, it's like, it just, it just took off, you know, like I said, all this pressure off me, the situation and everything. I could just focus on, on her pleasure and, um, you know, so I definitely, and it's, and, and I think the reason why it works is because there is no greater expression of vulnerability that a man could make than saying, I might not get an erection. Like that is so highly vulnerable. And if she receives that message, well, your unconscious feels incredibly safe and, you know, and you're probably going to perform. Um, so I definitely also advocate like just slowing things down um so even you know i like to i mean i'm i'm older now i like to make things happen on maybe you know in terms of a sexual experience i don't know four dates five dates six dates more even like i'm not in a rush but i know how it feels like i can remember how it feels like to be in my 20s and you want things to move along a little quicker i don't think the timeline is so important what's important is that you do these seduction things even if she doesn't know it, even if you meet her in the bar and she's like, let's go home to your place in the car, make jokes in the car, sing a song, you know, like, like get to her place and dance her around the apartment before you get started or whatever. So just try to try to do these little seduction things uh, as much as possible and slow things down. And usually today, I mean, the interactions that I have with people in their 20s even as someone in their forties, basically the information that I'm getting is that there aren't too many women that wouldn't appreciate slowing things down. That we're just in this culture where, you know, you can have sex on the first date or the second date or the third date. And usually that's, there's this, I think, kind of weird expectation that has been created probably a lot by porn that things just happen really quickly and that's the way to do it. Um, and that, your date might be really, really, as much as it will be good for you and your, uh, and getting it up to take things slower, uh, your date might also be equally appreciative of that. So, you know, just, just go slower. Um, also, before you get in the bedroom, another thing that I advocate is like, do this sober. Don't get high. Don't get drunk. You don't need alcohol to do this. Um, for a while, I experimented when I, when I was having my ED issues, I was experimenting with alcohol in the sense that I was like, okay, I know I'm nervous. I know I'm in my head. Um, so if I can have like the right amount of drinks 
to get out of my head, but not too many drinks so that I can't get it up. That's going to be the perfect number of drinks. That's where I need to get. Well, then I just became obsessed about was I drinking the right number of drinks? <laughs> and my and my performance anxiety went to a drinking anxiety. Like it didn't help. So it's better like there's, you know, drugs and uh, like, like pot and, and alcohol are known to be. I mean, you guys are pharmacists like they're de- I think they're depressants. They're called right. Yep. Like they're they're not going to help your body get up like literally get it up to where you need to get to and there's so many like pheromones and endorphins and all these things that are circulating between the two people and the excitement um better just to be like let your body be and and don't try to self-medicate with these with these types of things um i also like now i kind of don't if i'm meeting somebody for the first time i won't if i if i if I can arrange it, um, I will try to make that first encounter in my home, not in their home. So kind of like have a home field advantage if you want to. Um, I think that, I think that, uh, you know, if you're, if your unconscious needs to be safe, there is no safer place probably on the entire planet than your own bedroom. That's your layer. That's your place where, you know, you sleep, where you feel the most comfortable. So also, if you're inviting someone over to your home, like get your act together, clean your apartment, change the sheets, do what you need to do, which is all an act of seduction, which is all an act of vulnerability and creating safety and creating an environment where this can where this can happen. And from a pragmatic point of view in my in my home, in my bedroom, uh, I know where the condoms are. So that's also, you know, a helpful, uh, a helpful thing. I'm not like in somebody else's place. And did I bring some and do they have some and are they, are they the kind that I like and everything like that? So it just can, can just help, um, help a lot as well. And then the last thing that I've heard about, which I haven't done, but I think would actually be pretty effective before you get into the bedroom would be um, med- meditation, meditating. Uh, I don't know if you guys have done podcasts on, on meditating. Have you done uh, anything like that? or? Uh, I don't think we've done anything explicitly about meditation, but we have definitely discussed it. I know, you know, we've had uh, Dr. Tara on and she has talked about a yeah. sexual meditation. And um, so there's been different guests that kind of touch on it and the importance of it in different facets of life outside of the bedroom. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it's been discussed. Of- there's lots of uh, there's there's lots of resources out there. Um, if I was going to meditate around this issue, my I think what I would meditate on is acceptance. And so I would meditate that I accept my body the way that it is. I accept that I want to have this relationship, a sexual relationship with this that's upcoming with this person, and I accept that it, it's okay if I don't get an erection. Um, that you're, again, giving this message to your own self-conscious, that your own uh, unconscious, that um, you, it's okay, that you can envision a sexual experience without getting an erection. And I think it's kind of like, you're, you know, if you sincerely can get to that place of acceptance, I think you're actually going to increase your chances of, of getting an erection. So yeah, so those are all all sorts of things that I do um, outside outside the bedroom. Uh, does that make sense? Or oh yeah, 
yeah. So and then and then there's then there's ones that I suppose are more um, pragmatic or or like what's happening when when you are in the bedroom when you're and you're uh, and you're with somebody. Um, the first thing that I like to do is you know even if it maybe kills the energy for like thirty seconds or forty seconds, I like to light some candles. So just create a little. A little romance, a little intimacy. Again, it just increases the intimacy. Some soft lighting. Uh, I'm old. I've got like acne scars, and uh, I don't need the full lights on uh, to so, to show them every uh, nook, nook and cranny of my face. But uh, you know, with the, if, I, if I get the lights down a little bit lower, I can I can start looking uh, looking better. So so candles are great for that. Um, look your partner in the eyes. It's scary. It can be scary if it's something that you're not used to, but it's a great way to build intimacy, and it's a great way to feel safe uh, with a partner if you're if you're just doing that one one very very simple thing. Um, I have a a now after having gone through this over seven years, I have a, a strict no blowjob uh, policy on a first uh, sexual encounter. Uh, I just find that there it's a high pressure move uh, in the sense that I'm thinking I've got to get it up and she's thinking she's got to get me up. And again, I think a lot of unrealistic expectations from from pornography that like every blowjob leads to always leads to an erection. Um, it can, but not not everyone. And it's a low intimacy position in the sense that your eyes are really far apart from each other. So, um, you know, it's not that I don't like receiving oral sex, definitely love it. But just in that, if I'm concerned about these issues, then in that first circumstance, it's something that I find uh, is not that helpful. I wanna keep my, par my partner closer to me. Having said that, uh, I do think giving oral sex is a great way to build intimacy and to build that connection. And that, uh, you know, as a part of this sexual experience that doesn't require an erection. And many times I've been in a situation where, uh, you know, things weren't working out so great, but uh, by giving oral pleasure um, and by making my partner super happy and fulfilled, again, the pressure went down in my brain and then I got an erection because I was like, okay, I've kind of like, you know, done my job uh, to a certain extent and my and my body can just like release and let go. Um, so I definitely advocate that. Um, just some basic stuff like have lots of condoms on hand. Like I don't mean one or two condoms. I mean boxes of condoms. Uh, like you don't want to be in the situation where you're putting on a condom. It's not working. You have to throw it away and you're thinking I've only got one condom left. Like you want to just, again, like lower the pressure on yourself and just be like, okay, it doesn't matter. This time, you know, it didn't work this time. Like toss it on the floor. I got 15 more. Like it's, you know, it's okay. It's, you know, we got lots of time. We got lots of ways to, to make this work. Um, talking, really important. Uh, can be awkward, uh, especially if you're with a new partner, if especially talking isn't something that you normally do when you're in a sexual situation. But um, really basic things like, um, I like you. I'm excited to be here. I wanna be here. What do you like? 
you know, tell me if I do something that you like, please tell me. Um, so all of, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to go for the big, I love you words, but I like you is, is great. Like that can be great in a, in a casual, in a more casual situation. And you do like them. Otherwise you wouldn't be there. So it's very honest uh, statement. Um, and there's lots of other details. I won't go into them now in my book about, you know, different things you can say and questions you can ask and, and things like that. Um, and, you know, if nothing else, there's a couple of other um, positions that I found that have worked for me that I think I'd feel more comfortable just having, having people read them than me verbally talking about them. Uh, but, um, you know, if, if nothing, if nothing, if after all that, nothing works, um, then you just need to get even more vulnerable and you need to hold your person, you hold your, your partner close to you and reiterate that it's not their fault and reiterate that you're excited to be with them and try and, you know, let them know how much you care about them and that there will be an, and hopefully set the ground for another opportunity down the road. Yeah, that's interesting. I, uh, when, when you were kind of talking about being open about having erectile dysfunction or this might happen, I couldn't help but think that was like an under promise over deliver scenario. Yeah. Where it was like, Whoa, all right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Hey, um, so, but I, I can see where a lot of those things really can be beneficial um, in kind of releasing your mind. And it, it's so easy to just get caught up in our own head, even outside of the bedroom. I mean, just like with aspects of life um, and then you have a partner, it, it, you know, if it's somebody that you're committed to that you, I mean, have thoughts about them. I mean, you, you want them to feel comfortable. You want them to be happy around you and things like that. And I think it's really easy for all of us, any guy or, you know, this is a men's health podcast, so guys, but um, to just get caught up, I think we get caught up in our own head probably more than we even care to admit just because, well, we won't admit it because we're guys, right? But yeah. <laughs> just just have it, have these things festering in our mind. And I know, you know, even I, I'll use the example of baseball. Like I played baseball in college and you can get the yips. Yeah, you know, some, something happened. You're like, oh, you know, I, I uh, I'll throw out a lame one, but it's like oh, I didn't hit that curveball very well or I didn't see it. Oh, crap. And then like, what am I going to do my next at bat? You know, and, yeah. and you can really kind of get yourself caught up in a situation that might not really be real, but we make it real. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think I think to your over uh, or under promise over deliver um concept uh, another woman friend of mine when i started to talk about this pointed out to me she's like yeah and do you know how good i'm gonna feel if i do if if we do get it you know if, if you do get it up when you're with me i'm gonna feel like oh, a yeah. sexual goddess <laughs> <laughs> like he doesn't have this he may have a problem but he sure didn't have that problem with me you know like it's it's really a it's a very honest vulnerable thing to say but that really can work you know like like we're not here to be salespeople, but in a, it can really work it can really work really well from a you know sales perspective uh, as well for everybody you know that everybody leaves feeling really good so yeah i think it definitely kind of it's the modern 
kind of shift to normalcy for all this kind of stuff is a big, definitely a big benefit for people. Because as we've talked about, and as we know, um, our entire like social and mental beings are wrapped around our dicks. So like when we start to have issues, we immediately start freaking out. So like when you mentioned way in the beginning, how we really need to kind of start changing the way this is described, um, that that definitely should be a big point that hopefully all of our listeners can resonate with. Because um, it definitely resonated here with us that we probably need to work on shifting the language from dysfunction to something else. Because when you when you mentioned it, like it was like a like a light. I was like, oh, it's hundred percent. Like that's exactly what it is. Because then when you're in a relationship or if you're getting intimate with someone, and you know if they're not feeling it, they'll just be like, oh, I'm not in the mood. And then you're like, oh, okay, well, shit. But you don't immediately go, oh, you have vaginal dysfunction. Like you're not like damn something's broken with it but for us like uh, we have that issue we're not in the mood for it or if something's not feeling right we automatically start thinking oh there's something wrong there's something dysfunct now and that is definitely probably going to be one of the biggest game changes we can just kind of shift everything around so we're not seeing oh it's a dysfunction it's a problem oh it's just maybe the situation or maybe there's something else going on life whatever it may be and then, like, that's going to take so much weight off, so much pressure off for everybody. And then it'll slowly become less of a problem because now you're realizing, oh, you know, I had a long day at work yesterday. I'm just not in the mood for it rather than, oh, it's a it's a problem. Huge, huge piece of advice there. I think that if anything, like, hopefully everybody can take some of that home. Well, I, I think that, you know, as crazy as this will sound to a person listening to this podcast who is in a dark horrible unpleasant place of having ed and not understanding it and not knowing what to do about it as 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 horrible as that place that this will sound crazy to that person but i'm really glad i had ed i'm really glad that that i had these issues because i'm way more confident sexually now I know way more about myself, my body, and and the way that I the way that I work. And I also realized that probably when I look back at it, the times when I've had ED, I didn't want to be with that person. Or, or if I, in the context of maybe a longer-term relationship, that there was something that needed to be worked on in that relationship. There was something that I didn't feel safe about and my unconscious was was telling me you need to do some work here with your partner you know in a long-term relationship i wouldn't say that it necessarily means you should end that relationship but i do think it means there's work to be done in that relationship until your unconscious feels safe and you know using a therapist um, talking with your partner and all these things are are super are super important to allowing you to feel safe. And I remember one experience I mentioned at the outset of this podcast that I had one experience of ED when I was in my twenties. And, uh, that was when I was still a virgin and I hadn't had sex. I was like 19, 20 years old. And I had, had a girlfriend and I really wanted to have sex with her, but for different reasons, it wasn't happening. Uh, we kind of had this tumultuous relationship and then she sort of broke up with me and I went to a, a, a party and I hooked up with this girl and I don't know if it was the night of the party or the next night I was like in her apartment naked with her and I could not get it up at all. And I didn't like, it took me 30 years to figure out why when I desperately wanted to lose my virginity, 
why in this case I couldn't, I, I, I was not, you know, it was not at all functioning with this, with this other person. And I realize now is because like my unconscious was saving me. Like it was like, you don't want to lose your virginity to this person. You want to, you want to get back with your other girlfriend that you like and that you love, which is ultimately what happened. And I lost my virginity with, you know, with the first girlfriend. And I'm very thankful about that because it was a nice, it was a good experience, you know? So I think, I think in some ways, um, uh, you know, the penis is a voice of our unconscious and it is trying to tell us something. And maybe if it's not working, uh, maybe we need to listen. Maybe we need to find ways to get ourselves more safe by doing more proactive courtship uh, techniques. Maybe it means we need to do more mental health homework or more relationship homework with our partners. Um, but it's not like it, that is its function. You know, that is the function of our penis to help us feel safe. It is very functional, highly functional. Um, and we would be wise, I think, to, to listen to it. I think it's pretty interesting because we've definitely discussed on the podcast when we talk about ED that the penis is a great barometer for your physical health, right? If there's a physical issue, there could be potential for heart attack, yeah. cardiovascular issues, but it's also listening to you and your perspective and what you have learned over the years of self-exploration and really diving into the mental health component is your penis can really be a huge barometer for your mental health, stress levels, and things like that. And I think that that shouldn't, you know, if there's an issue, if there's an issue and you're concerned about it, it's time to get it addressed. And um, I think it's, it's a great way of not just seeing it as erectile dysfunction, but what else in my life can I work on? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, yeah. And I think that's the, that's the, um, the bigger picture, you know, that, that, all the people listening to this podcast, if they're in this dark place, you know, I can promise you that there's a bigger picture and you're, you know, work at it, you know, address it, uh, learn about it, but you're going to come out in a much, much better place. And, you know, and you will get the erections that you want when you want them. Well, I definitely appreciate you coming on the podcast and sharing a lot of your tips and tricks um, and just really getting a better picture of the mental health component of erectile dysfunction, because the, I mean, I, I learned a lot today. Cam, I think, yeah, you know, it's definitely I, not something we talk about always. So it's definitely a lot of information that's brand new, you know, hope maybe this might be the first time it's been spoke about and recorded down. Yeah. And, and I think that it's, it's a really great, way for guys to at least start exploring themselves. And I, I think that a lot of men are, you know, we're worried a lot about superficial things sometimes. And sometimes going and being in your own head is a really dangerous place. But also taking the time to explore it, um, you can really find ways to kind of appreciate different things and overcoming obstacles. For sure. So, Will, uh, do you have any other uh, platforms that you would like to inform our audience about? Uh, where can we find your book? Um, anything that you care to disclose for uh, the Men's Health Unscripted following? 
Sure. So uh, the best place to find me is on my website, which is uh, willnrichards.com. Uh, That's N for, I suppose, now. Uh, because if you go there now, uh, you will find uh, both my books, uh, the novel uh, called Mother and the one that we were talking more about today, which is the mystery of the, the missing erection. And uh, it's basically a self-help guide uh, to, to walk people through this. There are free chapters, free samples of both books on there. And, um, you know, if I can give a bit of a, a hard pitch, I would say that, um, you know, I definitely advocate advocate going to see a therapist. Uh, I did that. It was very helpful for me. Um, but it can be a bit of a big step. And, you know, a therapist is going to cost, I don't know, 100 or $200 an hour or whatever. Uh, my book is $20.77. And it's an ebook, So you can have it right now. Uh, it will download to your email within seconds. And you can start uh, working on some of these ideas and strategies uh, immediately. And, and you don't have to wait. Um, but the second thing I would say is just that if you've come to this uh, podcast uh, because you have ED issues or you've heard about it uh, or maybe, you know, you struggle with these issues in the past, I would definitely encourage you to check out some of the other uh, podcasts uh, from Men's Health Unscripted. Uh, these guys have done some great work. Uh, I listened to a couple recently on, uh, there's one I think you guys did on The Wrestler, The Cheese, and oh, another yeah. one. Uh, yeah, that's on, our boy. Uh, yeah, and uh, on on uh, uh, Joey DeSantis, is that it? Uh, Joey, sorry. Oh, Joey uh, Sequentes. Yeah, the, 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 the Fisher, the pro Fisher. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'm not a huge uh, wrestling fan, nor am I a big uh, fisherman. But what I really liked about these podcasts that you guys put together is, you know, if you're somebody that wants to change something in their life, these two guys made major changes and are following their dreams and, you know, living their passions and living their best life. And some of the tips that you guys had on there uh, to, to help people uh, or inspire people. Uh, those were great podcasts. Um, there's another one uh, with um, uh, Crystal DeSantis that I would really advocate people listening to in terms of men's mental health. Um, just, I guess I'm just, I've listened to a lot of podcasts out there in some of the, in the research I've done. And I just want to underline that I think you guys are doing great work and uh, whether it's people in the Tampa area or people abroad listening to these uh, podcasts, um, we're really, really lucky for, for the work that you guys do and, and um, both for men and, and for women, I think. So thank you very much for having me on your show. No, oh, thank hey, you for I... coming out and definitely thank you for those really kind words. Yeah. Uh, we... We're definitely in this all together. We're all men and women. We're all wrapped around each other, our health, whether it be physical or mental. So the more the more that can be said, the more that we can do is is always needed. Yeah, uh, just a point about, you know, some of those guests is I think it's so important. I think people get caught up in a rut and get caught kind of in the uh, in the proverbial hamster wheel a lot. And I think it's just some of those people or examples of, you know, and I'm a firm believer in this. And I, I'll tell anybody is like, you can do anything in the world that you want. You just have to put your mind to it. It does take work. Nothing's going to be handed to you. But I mean, if you want to be the president, you can be the president. I, I will never be the person and, you know, Cam either is to tell anyone that they can't do something. Um, because we've seen time and time again, I mean, you know, cheese is our boy. So, so we'll make a joke about him, but it's like, he's a guy, his pro wrestling name is the cheese. 
<laughs> and you think it's like so absurd, but then you, you know, hang out with him and see him. And you're like, no, this guy's it. Like he gets it. He's yeah. fully living it. And we just appreciate that about him so much. So, you know, thank you for listening and thank you really for the kind words. We definitely appreciate it. Yeah. Perfect. Man, we yeah. keep, uh, it's nice. We keep coming around, like around men like you and uh, that keep saying like that, that's kind of when we started the podcast, it was like, if we can just help one person. Yeah. And it has grown. And I, I think that's such a great perspective. So thank you so much um, for taking the time right. coming on. And when, how do you guys usually work? Like when do these get released? Do they so, uh, take some? Uh, we, so we just released a couple. So I've got mm -hmm. one ahead of you next week on Wednesday. So probably the following week. Okay. Um, and and I, I've got to get this over to the social media team too, which as soon as this finishes uploading, I will ship it off to Ashley and uh, her and her assistant will start kind of cutting it up a little bit to yeah. create some uh, social media advertisements and things. Um, we'll tag you, um, right. you know, in all that stuff. Um, but yeah, give us like, you know, 10 to 14 days and this will be. Yeah, there's no rush. I yeah. Mean I mean, absolutely no rush, just kind of sure. curiosity. So yeah, okay. 10, 10 to 14 days, uh, I would say, and I'll, I'll definitely, I'll shoot you an email before. You'll give me a heads up. Uh, okay. Yeah, beforehand so that you're prepared and stuff. Um, but, you know, otherwise we really appreciate it. And this, you know, you that being able to discuss it in an open forum like this, um, you know, is, is really beneficial in helping guys to be able to discuss um, their own mental health and, um, you know, sexual dysfunction, which can get them the help they need before it's too late. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And if I have uh, other questions that come up, maybe I'll shoot you guys an email, but uh, it's perfect. I really Absolutely. had a real, a real pleasure. And yeah, we'll see you guys down the road. Awesome. Yes, sir. Thank see you. you. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye.